everyone and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances with me, your host, Kim Yajeka. Now, the idea of leaving home, leaving your home country is a recurring theme in this podcast. Um, Last season, my guest Chido and I discussed our experiences with having left home and lived overseas for a period of time and how that changed our perspectives having returned back to Zimbabwe. This week, however, we go once again to the other end of the spectrum and my guests and I discuss how they have left home with no intention of returning anytime soon. We unpack their experiences with settling in a new country. Um, We talk about what they miss about home, but also the things that they don't miss so much and what they really, really enjoy about being overseas. This episode was so much fun to record. And I mentioned a little bit how each and everything we touched on could be an episode in and of itself. So I'm hoping to have them back on at some point to discuss some of these, um, some of the things that come up, but also to discuss this with other people. Just also a small trigger warning that we do discuss some heavy mental health issues in this episode. And if you do find yourself triggered or upset by some of the things that are discussed, you can go to our social media pages um, for the podcast where in I've shared some mental health resources that are readily available for people in Zimbabwe, but also some that are readily available no matter where you are in the world. You can just scroll down on both Twitter at In This Economy Podcast hey that's no both instagram at in this economy podcast and on twitter me your host at kim Yajeka. you go into the media there um the resources are shared and they're tagged and yeah you can find them super easy um but yes for now let us get into the episode i hope you enjoy All right, so in today's episode, we will be discussing leaving home in this economy with my wonderful guest, Dumo. Hi, Dumo. Hi, Kim. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yes, I go by Dumo. Um, I am a Zimbabwean living in the United States. I am a creative who has managed to to kind of figure out how to earn an income doing artsy things, um, primarily focused on fashion. Right now, I am deep within costume design and uh, costuming for film, uh, which is pretty exciting. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. Me too. I've always felt like your job is just so dreamy. Like it's from what you share (laughs) or what you're allowed to share on social media about it. I've always felt it's like I'm watching someone living, you know, in those TV shows we used to watch, like that really cool designer on like Ugly Betty or Gossip Girl. Like it sounds so, so dreamy. (sighs) I imagine having maybe having had dreams of being in that industry definitely meant having to get out of Zim and this environment, um, among other things as well, which we are going to unpack and explore in this episode. Um, So yeah, let's get into it if you're ready. I am ready when you are. That's cool. All right. So my first question for you is, when did you know for sure that you wanted to leave Zimbabwe? Honestly, um, I would say when I was probably around form four in high school. So yeah, probably around the age of 16, I was pretty sure that um, the trajectory of my life would um, be drastically determined by whether or not I stayed in Zimbabwe. And so 
I, I would say truly from 16, I remember like the times I'd go on the internet, I remember looking up um, even the, you know, the prestigious high school scholarships, you know, the international schools, the um, African Leadership Academy, the, you know, all of that. Um, and so, yeah, very early on, I knew. And I would honestly sort of divide that decision in two. So I would say I knew in high school, um, that I wanted to leave, but I knew uh, nearing my final year of college that the, the best thing for me to do for my personal future would be to not go back, at least for a while. That's really interesting. I don't think I've met very many people who are like that um, intentional about leaving from such a young age. Like it's not often that you hear about you know, the scholarships that they even offer to high school students to get out of the country. So like, what would you say was the biggest motivating factor? Like, what was the the non-negotiable that like, you know what, my trajectory is not going to change unless I leave because one, two, three. The economy was easily the biggest one. Um, the economic crisis in Zim around that time, and this is like the like the early 2010s, it was it was such that I could not see myself achieving any of my uh, goals, um, unrealistic or pretty grounded um, at home. And I could not see myself carving a life path for myself that allowed me to feel like I was happy and fulfilled while being in Zimbabwe. Um, and so like, while for me, I've, I've kind of always known my whole life that I, I do want to be someone who is immersed in artistic things. Um, and I've always known that fashion means a great deal to me. These are things I've known since I was a child. I could not see how that correlated with um, being in Zimbabwe at that time when um, my parents' um, earning potential had been so negatively affected by the economic crisis that they easily could not afford college for me or university for me as soon as I got out of high school. So it was just pretty clear to me that the most practical thing to do financially was to find a way to fund college that did not include my parents having to look for money that they very much did not have and to also find a way to be in a space that allowed me to explore other opportunities beyond whatever my immediate academic interests were. No, that, yeah, that's a very like realistic way to, to look at things. I know for me personally, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to leave, but my biggest motivating factor was incredibly material. Um, I think I was just influenced by all the stuff I was consuming at that time from TV. When I was in high school, social media started becoming a thing. And I think I was also very aware that like the kind of life I thought I should be living would not really be possible in Zimbabwe. And um, not to say it's not possible, but right now I'm kind of like, skirt, hey guys. Oh my gosh, I hear you. I hear you. And <laughs> and you know, I, I will definitely say that um the media I was consuming played a huge role in sort of in in me trying to figure out what I wanted my life to look like. Um 
at the same time, not so much because fun fact, I did not have a TV for like years and years when I was in high school for like, I think at least three years, like mm-hmm. of my final high school life. So um, I think even that in itself was like, it was such a revelation to me because I remember thinking at one point, like my parents are doing their best, but they can't afford to like replace this TV with a good one. They can't afford to send this one to repairs. Like mm-hmm. this is not a life. Um, and that for me was like one of the many things I would kind of look around in our house and think, wow, these are people who really worked hard, had secured um a very stable future for themselves had started like respective college funds for their children, but were suddenly placed um, in this situation where they are just not able to provide the things they have worked so hard to, previously to be able to provide. So yeah, I, the economy really, and you know, I, I feel like when you say economy in a Zimbabwean context, I feel like that translates to so much of like our lived experience because it's it, it stops being just about money, right? It becomes yeah. about uh, mindset. It becomes about, you know, even your projections of the future. Um, and so, yeah, the, the economy truly determined how I saw my life in Zimbabwe and how I saw my life outside if I made it outside which I did and I think overall like Mm -hmm. on this on this platform and the podcast and everything I found that even when discussing economic issues it's always a spillover into our society and our culture and politics and all of those norms because that has just been impacted so much by the fact that there hasn't been money or issues with money or like the the way that our country has been operating has affected our upbringings and how we see things. So definitely, I really love that you brought that up. And I think that goes into like my next question, having experienced, you know, all of the hardship that you did growing up and seeing, you know, as hard as your parents worked, there was no sort of return on that investment or things were not the way they are quote unquote supposed to be. What has been the best part about having left Zim? Um, that's interesting. You know, while I say I was I was definitely pushed by the economic story of Zimbabwe at the time to leave, the finances have not been the best part for me about leaving Zimbabwe. And that's not to say I'm not comfortable because I'm, I'm very lucky enough to be. But what has been the best part is that I am able to truly be myself and to feel very comfortable in my own skin and to do whatever the hell I want. I am someone who is pretty, I consider myself pretty weird and I like that word I think it's a good word um I'm also I'm queer uh I'm non-binary and these are aspects of my identity that I simply I I I don't think that I would be able to explore in their fullness if I was still in Zimbabwe I'm very artistic I want to be able to interpret that in different ways depending on the season and there there is just not enough opportunities for um, young creatives in Zimbabwe especially those who do not have that like that extra willpower to work really hard. And I genuinely do not think I can work as hard as creatives who are operating from Zimbabwe, 
genuinely don't think so. So the the ability for me to be able to like fully express myself in my artisticness, in my alternativeness, in my queerness has been extremely rewarding and something I consider very much a privilege that I'm so uncertain uh, I'd be able to enjoy if I were at home over the past uh, more than a decade, you know? I, I can, that's a really beautiful thing actually because um Having experienced, you know, when you go to uni and living outside for a little bit, there is a kind of, I guess, a less stifling feeling. I know our society Mm -hmm. is ultra conservative and I think the levels of conservatism are get more and more shocking to me every day um, because there's just this thing where I'm like, guys, but we're suffering. So what are we protecting? What are we trying to conserve? And it's really such a sad thing that a lot of people have to leave in order to be able to truly express themselves and express those their identities um, in a way that's really stifling here in Zim and I imagine in a lot of African countries as well. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. But on the other side of it, what's been the toughest thing that you've had to make peace with leaving behind having left Zimbabwe? That one, that one is a good and a difficult question, right? Because... I think that for a lot of, I think that for a lot of queer people, and I cannot speak on behalf of like all queer Zimbabweans who have left the country, but I do think that for a lot of us, it can't be denied that like when, especially if you get to live in a country where you can, you can explore and enjoy and like recognize your own queer identity. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you get to do that, you can't deny just how much the idea of going home includes having to bargain with your queerness. And so I think I think that's one of the hardest parts for me is like living in this this kind of limbo of knowing that um, once I go home, I'm going to have to shelve uh, because, you know, I mean, yeah, I I definitely want to be that person who eventually, you know, goes back to Zimbabwe to settle, you know. I don't know when, but eventually. Um, Yeah, I actually, I know that's kind of surprising, isn't it? But yeah, I I, like, I I don't see why not, you know? Um, There's some times when I, I see people talking about these little things that they're doing in, you know, in Harare, in Blues, in Guero, in Mashungo, and I'm like, wow. I want to do that. Like, I want to, I want to go on social media and talk about going to these like clubs, going to these cute little events and like enjoying these snacks that this person in this city in Zim is selling. Like, I want that, but I am hyper aware of the fact that it comes with um, sacrificing a lot of my self-expression um the commitment to to then return will come with um this inevitable sacrifice um that's the first thing the second thing i would say is the the logistical aspect because i mean the zimbabwean passport is so hated no no one no one likes a Zimbabwean passport yeah. out here. And having to deal with the logistics of having a Zimbabwean passport is extremely difficult. I don't typically talk on social media about the times my visa has been rejected for opportunities that I have already been offered. But, um, and I think, I think I only acknowledged that once that like I was invited to like do something at London Fashion Week and I, 
I simply did not get the visa and I don't know why. Um, but that has happened several times, um, especially pre-COVID. That happened several times. And yeah, at some point it's absolutely exhausting because you're like, I have proved myself in every single way I can. And I am not even trying to fake a nationality. I am carrying the valid passport that I brought from my country. And still it's a problem for mm. someone that that I, I come from this place and that my passport has this country's name on it. Like, yeah, that that's difficult. That's difficult. I think, I think those two for me are the, the clear, clear challenges. Everything else, honestly, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Kim, the whole, like, I miss, I miss home. I miss food from home. I miss it. I don't miss, those are not the things I miss about Zimbabwe. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm good on this side I'm so good Listen, I'm, I'm so good like I'm fine listen mm. as long as I eat good I'm good as long as I'm in good company I'm fine mm. those are not the things I miss but I, I miss the ability to enjoy these tiny little things I see people talking about on the socials where I'm like wow I've never experienced that and oh my god I would just I would love to yeah wow I you know, Duma, with everything you're sharing, that's really enlightening because I feel like you're existing in two, like, you're just in, existing in a space where you have to make peace with missing out on a lot of things. Um, with being, not mm-hmm. being in Zimbabwe, coming home would mean shelving parts of your queerness, parts of your identity, parts of yourself that are innate in you, like that's who you are as a person. Coming back to Zim would mean shelving that, but also not being in Zim means missing out on opportunities that you've earned, you know, as a Zimbabwean, I'm not saying I have a fair shot at everything because, you know, connections, nepotism and everything. But like if the opportunity is here, you know, I know that I I stand a fighting chance because I don't have to worry about getting a visa, for example. So is there peace like? Are you good? Really, like a genuine question. Like, that's <laughs> are you good? That's such a good question. Honestly, yes, because um, I think that um, growing older, um, getting to know myself more, and having the opportunity to like to enjoy my interests uh, professionally, personally, has has given me a chance to see that home as much as I keep referring to Zimbabwe as home that's definitely more conditioning but home is uh is community Mm. home is is people and um sometimes home is also like uh the littlest freedoms the smallest freedoms right um I will give you an example of the way my brain works when I when I sometimes really am like yeah it buying the air ticket to Zimbabwe would be awesome right now. Yeah. Uh, when I get into that mode, sometimes I remember that um, the last time I visited Zimbabwe, I was dating someone who was also visiting with me at the same time. And they, they sat me down and we had, we had to have a conversation where they said to me, I have never felt like I stick out like a sore thumb the way I do with you walking around these streets, these Wulawayo city streets. 
And I think that's just one really good example of something that I am used to as a person with albinism, that because I've been far away from home for so long, I no longer have to be used to it. Like I no longer have to be used to people staring at me and pointing at me and like going, ah, I'm so good. Oh my God. Like I don't have to be used to that anymore, but it was literally a part of my daily life before I left home and is a part of my daily life when I visit, uh, which I mean, it's been years, but yes, that's, that's just, that is my understanding of like, if I draw a mind map, you know, of what it means to be at home, that's one of the main, that's one of the main things it means to be at home is like, I, I know that the minute I walk down a busy street, quite a few people are going to have something to say about my appearance and are going to feel very kind of naturally justified to let me know what they think about me. And that only gets that only gets more intense, the more like, I don't know, alternative looking I am when I go home. Because like every, I remember like every uh, successive year that I visited home when I was in college, I there'd be something new, you know, there'd be like a new tattoo there, a new earring there, a new weird haircut there, like weird new fashion sense here. And all of these things would just be drawing more attention to me Whereas like right now I primarily call New York City home and I, I never have to worry about that. I never have to, I can simply walk down the street and not have to think, wow, someone is going to do a double take when they see me today and make me uncomfortable and by extension, possibly make whoever I am with uncomfortable. Yeah. So I... I am good because we need to, sometimes we bargain being good as adults, you know, and the fact that I, there there are things that I don't have to think about daily when it comes to small and large freedoms that I personally really enjoy having. Oh, it makes my life, like as much as there are things about Zimbabwe that I miss dearly, very regularly, it makes my life significantly easier. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, there's, we can end the episode there. Thank you so much. No. <laughs> um, but wow, that's, that's a lot. I, I love what you said about as adults, we have to bargain being good. Like, what does it mean that I'm good? Um, and I think it's just mm-hmm. such an unfortunate reality for young Zimbabweans. And I spoke about it in another episode in last season about how, I just wonder, you know, my guests and I were talking about how I wonder what it's like to just experience existing. Like, I don't have to bargain anything. Like, I just wake up. I'm somewhere. I'm good. I I haven't had to. I mean, of course, in life, there's sacrifice and all of those things. But just to be like, I'm good. You know, this is yeah. I'm, not, I'm just existing and I don't have to think of what the alternative is. And as Zimbabweans, it's so unfortunate that the alternative is being at home, especially if you've made it out. And even just using that language now, I you made it out. Like it's, uh, mm. yeah. um, when you yeah. make it out, you're still thinking, okay, the alternative is being home. And it sucks that that's always the more negative alternative. Like that's the usual rhetoric that that's, that's negative. But when you did, you know, start bargaining, you know, what it means to be good and um, getting comfortable with where you are at now in the States, 
Um, what steps did you take to like cushion or make peace with moving away? Um, if you have made peace, that is. And like, what steps did you take to build community? Like you've said, community is home. So in building a community, are there things you had to actively do? Did you have to, you know, seek help, therapy, pick up new hobbies? Like what, like, what could you maybe just like walk us through how you got comfortable and how you were, you know, sort of good with where you are at, despite what you miss about home? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the major things that really helped me um, be comfortable um, about being away from Zim and stop feeling like um, this is a transitional period. It's a years long transitional period before I, I go back, quote unquote, um, was acknowledging um, that I have uh, mental health issues. I have mental health disorders, illnesses that I legitimately need to address. And I finally have um, the opportunity to do so um, much more easily than I previously had personally with my background um, in Zimbabwe. Um, so I have always struggled with, uh, since I was very young, with feelings of depression, and I did not know what that was, right? And so it took me, it genuinely took me at least two years to be able to fully appreciate um, what, um, what support for mental health was meant to do for me, um, to be able to appreciate how therapy could help me. Um, it took me even longer, I would say a good five, six years uh, before I would meet mental health care practitioners who um, took me seriously for all I said uh, and like began to see that I, for me, being medicated um, as part of my mental health support is very important. Um, so I am medicated for severe depression. I am medicated for anxiety. And I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And I am trying to make um, a medical plan for that as well. But this is something that I had to acknowledge was like a benefit of being in a country like the United States, right? It's a place where um, while mental health care is extremely expensive uh, or can be extremely expensive, it is also taken seriously enough um, and it is destigmatized enough that if I really need support, I will get the support that I need. And so you know, as as part of that process, um, I definitely had to sort of look look back, look inward, and accept that there are parts of my lived experience as a Zimbabwean raised as a woman, a closeted queer person uh, from a very conservative, very conservative background. I had to like acknowledge that all of these things possibly contributed to me being where I was mentally. And so all of that was difficult, but it was definitely a way for me to like practically realize the benefits of being outside of Zimbabwe that had nothing to do with like the immediate reason that brought me there, which was, you know, my little, my little admission to college and my little scholarship, you know? So I, I definitely, 
I definitely continue to give myself a pat on the back for taking my mental health seriously, because that, that truly is something that had to happen. I would say a second thing, um, and and I think this somewhat contributes to or is part of the whole like community building aspect is um and I know, I know a lot of Africans go through this when they when they study abroad, um, even if abroad just means in another African country that is not your own. Um, you know, you grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to study this, I'm going to pursue this, and yeah. you get to university and you're like, oh, I don't enjoy this. I actually enjoy that. <laughs> or you happen to continue and it becomes your career and you're wondering. Your exactly. It's not a personal exactly. story at all, but yeah, yeah, continue. <laughs> <You know? laughs> indeed and um I think I I went through that very very slowly um because I did continue through my college years pursuing the nice degree that I knew that my family would be happy with you know political science economics philosophy like I knew the family would be satisfied you know what I'm saying but the fact that the minute I left, the minute I left, not even the minute I left, before I left, none of the jobs I was looking at had particularly anything to do with my um, immediate qualification, like none of them. So even the fact that like one of my first jobs outside of college was my uh, my content officer position with the UN. That job had, it's the only job I have had that was somewhat aligned with uh, my what degree. But honestly, if that alignment is very, that was more like social media management. You know what I'm saying? It was more content creation. Mm. I truly ran away from from studying or from continuing to pursue professionally or academically the thing that I knew would would be very nice for a Zimbabwean family to say, oh, so this is what our daughter, quote unquote, does, you know? Um, I think that was extremely helpful for me because it helped me to realize that like, I'm an adult, I can actually make my own decisions. And like my decisions, as long as they are not directly harmful, they are actually harmless. Mm. They're just, they're just drastic, mm. but it, they are harmless. There's no problem with me pursuing artsy things. If that's what I'm interested in, there's no problem uh, with me not wanting to work in a rigorously formal office environment if that's not my style. And accepting these things and also becoming friends with people who helped me to accept these things about myself, uh, people who saw the parts of me that I wanted to deny existed. That was, that was extremely helpful for me to, to sort of realize, okay, I, I am allowed to be Zimbabwean and to be all of these these other things to flower into all of these other identities um, and to find different things I'm interested in that young me did not know I was interested or young me did not have the opportunity to pursue even if I knew I was interested in them, you know? That's so beautiful. Firstly, thank you so much for being so open about your mental health journey. 
I think um, every Zimbabwean knows, and we've talked about it a lot in this podcast, how we just don't get an opportunity to explore what may be making us anxious or explore the different ways, you know, um, things like depression um, can manifest themselves or even children who struggle with, there have been recent tweets about children who struggle with things like ADHD and dyslexia that, you know, you're kind of, they kind of beat Mm. the discipline into you. Um, so being so yeah. open and sharing that, it's I really appreciate that. And I'm pretty certain a lot of people will be able to like listen and resonate, but also check in to be like, hey, let me look into my upbringing and maybe I'm anxious because I'm actually not okay that my parents used to beat me despite what I say on social media, you know? Um, just a trigger warning with that exactly. as well. But I also, yeah, we don't get a chance to explore those things until later in adulthood. So I really appreciate that. And also, of course, just being able to find people who encourage you to explore and explore who you are and explore what your interests as well. Because um, I think we are all so focused on our, in, in, in our Zimbabwean society and our culture, we are so focused on becoming, I don't know, I guess good workers and being able to take care of our family and black techs and all of those things that our view is kind of like limited. I Personally, I'm grateful to have grown up in a household where I was told I could be anything and anything was possible. But I would think any pressure I had to fall into like a regular Uh or traditional profession came from my environment. It came from school. It came from, you know, what extended family and external people would say like, oh, you're a good speaker. Therefore, you should be this, you know. Um, So I think we all pursue things and degrees that will make Mm. someone happy. Um, and it's really great. And I'm so happy for you that you had the opportunity to find something you truly love and to just be like so entrenched in it. Like that is, that's amazing. That's so great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No worries. Um, so like my next question is having settled in like a new country, of course, like having had your Zimbabwean experience growing up, what are some of the things that people from different countries that you, you know, met in uni, at work, anywhere else, um, that they don't, quote unquote, get about you? Like, they just don't get it. They don't get your life experience. Uh, people don't get albinism. Mm. That doesn't make sense to a lot of people at all. Like, mm. at all, at all, at all. I will say that, you know, for, for fear of doing, like, a non-scientific comparative analysis here, I will say of all the countries that I have lived in, the the U.S. is definitely the place that I feel that I feel most okay with my albinism, hmm. because it is not it is not something that um, regularly determines how people treat me, and that is less and less. And I I I you know what? I I I never give shout outs to the American education system, but listen. Maybe slight shout out because mm-hmm. I have noticed over the past 10 plus years that there's like less and less people asking me really ignorant questions about my albinism in this country. And I genuinely think that is because um, it is becoming more of like a syllabus subject, for example, in like intro bio classes in high school. So yeah, I genuinely feel progressively like less and less um, targeted and Mm -hmm. less and less like I stand out as a person with albinism in the US. Um, Even with like small things 
Like I, I will go on, on TikTok and obviously because of how the algorithm works, it will show me content that um, includes people with albinism yeah. and like people yeah. in the comments will be wonderful. They will all, or just won't care at all. And that's something, that's something I, I, I have come to really appreciate, even though I still know that it is not a condition that is at all understood in this country, this country being the U.S., obviously. I will say, and and the, the thing about people not getting albinism, it is a universal thing across borders. You know, I've lived in several countries and I, I've lived in Kenya. Uh, I lived in Switzerland for a second. I've lived in China and people do not understand what albinism is and mm. uh, just as they don't in Zimbabwe and it just yeah. like comes out in like a different way yeah I think when it comes to my particular lived experience that's one thing people don't understand when it comes to the Zimbabwean lived experience people really struggle to understand my relationship with money as a Zimbabwean who was like grossly affected by the economic crisis. Um, I'm very uncomfortable with spending money. I'm extremely uncomfortable with spending money. Um, and for someone who likes nice things, who likes clothes and who uh, works in luxury spaces, that's weird, right? Yeah, but I, I find myself very much holding back when it comes to allowing myself to be indulgent with my finances and it's something that like people who are close to me don't get even at, like at work there are days when I will like try to calculate how much I spend on dinner or on lunch or whatever and um, I will have a casual conversation about that with a workmate and they'll be like but you're fine like just use your credit card and I'm like excuse me what if the economy <laughs> collapses tomorrow and I have used my credit card? <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. Yes. On, uh, um, on both the points that you've raised, I will say, um, because I, I followed you on social media for quite a while before we first made like official contact and I, I can mm -hmm. recommend you everything I've learned about albinism, about um, non-binary people, um, mm -hmm. about those aspects that I really did not understand or have a lot of exposure to, I learned from you and the sources oh. that you've shared and um, the conversations that we've had, I know, like, can credit you for everything I know and everything I can appreciate. That part, I, I'm sure myself and a lot of other people have learned so much. So thank you, firstly. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, and um, the uh, the thing with the money, yo, guys, I can completely relate. The idea of credit and contracts to me makes me extremely uncomfortable because mm -hmm. of growing up in Zimbabwe. I know when I went to do my master's in Switzerland, uh, we, you get those packages that tell you about like transitioning and living in a country. And one of them was like for, you know, your cell phone. And it was just like, yeah, no, you can just get a contract with this company and it'll be easy. I'm like, don't they have prepaid SIM cards? Oh my gosh. I'm not comfortable. Oh my gosh. Me. This is, <laughs> I feel so seen right now yeah. because let me tell you, it took me, um, I genuinely think I, I signed my first like phone contract thing, maybe five years after getting to the US. Mm -hmm. But until then, I hunted the prepaid one down. The thought of committing to like 
pay a particular amount that I don't, I don't consciously say, okay, I, I am taking this money out of my account in order to pay for this phone plan. Oh, oh my God, the yeah. anxiety of it all. So relatable. Definitely can relate to that. So yeah, wow. But th- thanks for sharing that. And I think my final question is in an alternate universe or just if things didn't work out and you were not able to leave the country, not able to get a scholarship, whatever it is, what do you think you would have had to do to make it work in Zim? And what advice would you give to young Zimbabweans who would want to leave Zim for similar reasons that you've wanted to leave Zim? Um, I think about this quite often, actually. Um, First of all, if I had not left Zim, I think that um, I would have definitely followed a more quote-unquote respectable trajectory in my life, um, especially in my career. Um, I think I... I would probably be in the NGO space, but much more so in a way that sort of aligns with the idea of being in diplomacy and like multilateral studies and things of that nature. So professionally, that's where I would be. Personally, I'm going to be frank, I would probably be closeted because um, I do come from a very conservative family and I just, I literally don't see the room that would have been there for me to have been able to to exist in my queerness at all, um, even with only a few people knowing. And I I, I just, I, I do think that in terms of my self-expression, I think as the older that I got, I probably would have found my way to still presenting as the same person that I do now, but it would have taken me longer. I definitely think it would have taken me longer. And I would really hope that I would have gotten, I would have been brave enough to sort of build community around me of people with like similar interests to myself to, to, to a point where I would have been able to like eventually pursue my creative interests, you know, around people and with people who I, I share similar interests with and people who don't see um, being a creative as something harmful or negative, which is, I, I think, a mindset that is very much perpetuated in more conservative Zimbabwean families. Like, oh, you want to be an artist? Like, oh, that stuff doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. that stuff, you know, eventually it would have happened anyway. I was sneaking out of the house already. Like, mm. was, <laughs> in terms of advice for uh, people who want to leave Zimbabwe, I'm going to try and make this advice as practical as possible. Because one thing I found about advice about leaving Zimbabwe, it's like, I don't want to hear like, oh, believe in yourself. Oh, that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's talk practicals. Number yeah. one, go to school. Go to school. Going to school is the easiest way to leave Zimbabwe. Find a program that is funded, that is uh, either need-based or it is need-blind, Apply for that program. If it means preparing yourself for a year to apply for the program, do your research, put yourself on a timeline, write the little entrance exams that you have to write, do as well as you can do. Uh, If there's a, a, a group of people that you know who are seeking the same opportunity, work with that group of people so that you all help each other to seek out these opportunities. 
but go to school. Because if you go to school, if you get a qualification from whatever country you go to school in, it then becomes significantly easier for you to then apply for a job using that qualification in that country, right? Don't be scared to go to school. Also, the, the Zimbabwean idea that um, you need to schedule your life so maybe like your 20s are for school, but then from your mid to late 20s, you have to be thinking about marriage. And then from either, no, throw that away. It's not real. It's not real. Just at whatever point you find yourself in your life and you're like, okay, I would like to leave. If the idea of um, getting a job, if you've explored that idea of getting a job outside the country, if it is not working out, look for a program that really interests you outside of the country and be a student. There is nothing wrong with being a student. If anything, we could all learn a little more from each other and from the world around us. It's fine. Definitely. So go to school. Number two, I will say if it is not school, look for that fellowship, look for that internship, right? Mm. Um, it might take a really long time, but these opportunities do exist. Uh, we might need to talk to a whole lot of people to find these opportunities, but they are there. Um, even if um, that opportunity is like one year teaching English in South Korea or in like a small village in China, it's fine. Take it, right? Take it because you don't know what's going to happen from there. You don't know what opportunities you're going to meet once you land. You don't know what the Zimbabweans in that respective country are doing or have done to like prolong their respective stays. So the opportunity that seems to give you the most comfort for a prolonged period of time and that allows you to kind of sit back, rest, and then like make a way forward without rushing and without thinking, oh my God, what if my visa is not valid in two weeks? That's the opportunity you want. Don't, don't do the tourist visa thing. Like right. go to school or get a fellowship, or get the one-year contract. Those will secure your future in a way that is much more long-term and where you can breathe easy. I don't have any non-practical advice because, you know, I know it's wishy-washy. You can hear that from anywhere. Go to school. Yes, that's my practical advice. Anything is possible. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of that. Insert, insert. All of it. All the good stuff. All the feel good. Right exactly. <laughs> no, that's so great. Dumo, thank you so much. This is such a beautiful episode. I, I love everything. I think each thing you've said could be an episode on its own. But... <gasps> In the interest of time, I feel like there may be a part two. We may need to revisit some of these things because I'm just, I'm really floored. I'm, this is so exciting. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. Um, I love what you're doing with this podcast. I think you are doing wonderful and you're having conversations I do not hear enough. So thank you for the platform and for including me on it. I am very, very honored. Oh, no, thank you. It's been such a privilege talking to you too, Jumo. And yeah, thank you so much. That's the episode. Thank you.
All right, perfect. And that is the episode. A huge shout out and thank you once again to my guest Dumo for taking time out of their crazy schedule in what I think is the coolest job ever to feature on this platform and to be so open and candid about your experiences. I really appreciate that so much. And thank you, the listener, anyone who's listening for all your support. I really appreciate the engagement and the encouragement I receive week after week with each episode. I appreciate it so much. And I'm so happy to be creating content that anyone or anyone listening can enjoy or relate to and i want to continue doing that at the highest level possible with the best quality sound products you name it and i would really appreciate your financial support um so i have included a paypal link in the link tree page where all the information about the podcast is um, which will be available in the bio of this episode and i think every episode moving forward it is also available on my social media so do follow the podcast on instagram at in this economy podcast and follow me your host at in this uh follow me your host at kim Yajek. i've been confusing that a lot today um but yes instagram at in this economy podcast twitter at kim Yajeka, and let's engage keep the conversation going and listen support of any amount will go such a long way in keeping this podcast going and just yeah i'm really excited about just everything to do with this like no cap um that's me being excited sharing a little bit so yeah thank you so much and i will catch you next week